Brother Gene, won't you just get ready and come on and preach to the folks tonight. Welcome, Brother Gene Summers, tonight. Oh, great job, worship team. Wow. Man, man. You ought to be pretty bad drummer when they lock you up like that. Handsome devil. Man, I used to look that good. It's amazing. Oh, I just, I just, I love, I appreciate you coming back tonight. Oh, my goodness. I mean that with all of my heart. I, uh, I, I, one of the sweetest or neatest Don Brankle stories I have is when his mama would get them together on Sunday nights when their dad had to work many times. And, um, and, uh, Brother Don and his younger brother, and I've, I've just gone remiss on his name, Jim, wasn't it? Yeah, Jim Brankel and, and, and those two boys at home, and, and Sister Brankel would get them ready for church on Sunday night, and Don said, Jim was a little old bitty boy, and he said, Mama, there ain't going to be nobody at church tonight. And she said, Honey, there will be when we get there. And uh, I appreciate that in, uh, in people that come to, to worship on Sunday nights. Blackwood Brothers. Anybody remember the Blackwood Brothers? Yeah. They used to sing a song. How I would love to go to church twice on Sundays and once in the middle of the week. Those good old revivals, when they hit their highest peak, I would love to go to church twice on Sunday. It makes me feel so good. I'd like to mend my ways and go back to the days of church twice on Sundays. Can't sing that now. In these churches that I go to, thank you for those looks, but it's true. And uh, But I, I appreciate it. I know that, well, I'll tell you, the people that uh, have really wanted to get out from underneath the mandate of, uh, of uh, quarantines and all the different things. I, I bet you folks are glad to be back in church. I uh, told pastor, I said, you know, you, it's a, uh, I, I remember coming here and there was such a, uh, a wonderful spirit of uh, freedom. And I, I don't mean that there's not freedom here, but I'll tell you, uh, in many of the churches that Mona and I go to today, that, uh, that COVID-19 has really attacked them because some people have, I, I don't mean this as spiritually, but they've lived in confusion. They're, they're not sure uh, whether to, uh, to give in to, to mandates and they don't know. I, I'm just telling you, this has been a place where many of us have never been before. And my, I'll tell you, our pastors, God help them, they're paddling their boats as fast as they know to go. To be responsible for and have the hands of uh, uh, your hands around God's people and their safety and, and yet their spiritual fervor in your hands is such an awesome. I tell my pastor friends, and I mean this, and not never belittling the people of God, but it's not possible for everyone to know the, the, the literal pressure on the shoulders of the pastorate. And uh, I, I mean that with great dignity, and I just thank God for, for this couple here that, that leads you. Uh, this has been no walk in the park 
for you folks. And uh, I'll just tell you, I, I'm thankful. Thank you for letting me to come back, especially in December. And uh, Christmas is right around the corner. And um, anytime a, an evangelist can have an open door in December, um, it's, it's great. I'm having some surgery early in the month, this month. And so the next two Sundays, I will be out of the pulpit. And uh, so you're offering tonight. And I realize we've received the offering. And I'm telling you, I appreciate the way that you've given to us. I, in, um, in 2016, September 2016, I went under the knife. And um, I used to have a little better girlish figure than this. It was a little better until I had uh, surgery. There was a massive explosion. And I'm sorry, uh, I don't mean it gross, but in my gut. And I never, never dreamed that I was in trouble. Mona can tell you until I wound up in septic shock and they almost lost me on a Sunday afternoon. Did emergency surgery and they cut every muscle in my chest and in my stomach area. But I'll tell you, I'm alive and well. And uh, they had told Mona, my surgeon told Mona, said, uh, get ready. Uh, I know he's got cancer. And so the morning after my surgery, I'd never heard that. The morning after my surgery, I was in intensive care, tubes running down my back of my throat. And uh, if you've ever been there, you, you understand. And my gag reflex was horrible with a tube running down my throat. Fully conscious, my do doctor walked in and he said, boy, you're a, you are a very fortunate person. I said, and I just made light of it. I said, that's right. I got you as my doctor. And he grinned. He said, no, no, no. He said, you didn't have cancer like I thought. And I said, I'm sorry, doc. I didn't know any of that was part of the equation. And he said, son, sir, I've never opened up anybody that had that much uh, infection in their body that did not, a man of your age at the time, 63 years old, and I, I just didn't, I've never opened anybody up like you that did not have uh, a massive problem with cancer, and I didn't. And uh, God helped me, and boy, I went through the whole thing with the colostomy bag on my side. It gives me greater appreciation for people that have to live that way. I, um, when I got to the end of that journey, and, and my uh, gastroenterologist was able to put me back together, I want you to know that I had several cases of the hubs, the bags, all the paraphernalia that goes with the colostomy bag. I don't mean to gross you out. I'm just telling you about reality. And I tell you, I, 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 I told Mona, I said, what are we going to do with all this stuff? I called my doctor's office, and, and it, it was just a few days. A beautiful Hispanic couple called me. They were in their late 70s. And there was no way that they could afford. I can tell you that Mona and I bought out of our pocket several uh, times a dozen of those bags, the hubs, and everything that went with it. The, uh, and I can tell you, uh, 12 of them was about 300 bucks. And they lasted just a few days. And I knew that little couple, whatever. We, we met them in Dayton, Texas, on our way out to Revival somewhere in East Texas. And when I loaded their trunk with uh, their, the back of their, the trunk of their car with those boxes of 
all that medical equipment. They wept on the parking lot, which got to me, and I guess I wept all the way to Grapeland, Texas. And so I'll tell you, we're fortunate, aren't we? God's kept his hand on us, and we're still here. And thank you, Pastor, and uh, beautiful Heather. What a sweet spirit they have. And I appreciate you. You, uh, you mean so much to us. I'm, I'm, I want to read from Second Kings, the sixth chapter. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. And Second uh, Kings 6, a pastor that's in the Old Testament. And uh, <laughs> then I want to go to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter and read about uh, six or seven verses there, 1 Corinthians uh, 2 and uh, 6. But uh, 2 Kings 6 and verse 8. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the king, the heart of the king of Syria, was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, Surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Very quickly, go with me to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, and begin with that sixth verse. 1 Corinthians 2 and 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. 
But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to break the bread of life before your people. I pray that you would anoint my lips and make my tongue as the pen of the ready writer, as David declared in Scripture. And I pray that you'd open the ears of the church that we might hear what the Spirit of God is speaking tonight. Give us spiritual vision. I pray it in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. I want to preach to you for a few moments tonight about spiritual vision. I love the quotation of, of hearing, listening to Paul when he declares, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I, I would submit to you as a church body that the everyday weapons of the spirit-filled child of God are spiritual weapons that not much of this world and this world's population cares to know about. This is, we are the kind of people that, that uh, those wonderful ladies on ABC's channel The View, Joy Behar, we're, we're fodder for her to be able to speak out it was uh, the former vice president of the United States, Mike Pence, that was meeting with uh, a group of people that were his prayer partners. And, and they, they met with him, and, and he just, they were asking him questions about how he approaches praying. And, and, then, and so they let him explain. And, and Mike Pence simply made a statement and said, I, I love to get down and pour him out my heart and the needs in the country, the needs in my personal life. And he went down the list of talking about things that he loved to propose before God. And then he made that crucial statement when he said, then I sit quietly and I listen to what God has got to say to me. And I'm telling you that Joy Behar took that on the air of probably the Tuesday or Wednesday following that remark and declared that our vice president had visited with insanity whenever he decided she was okay with the fact that he prayed and he talked to God. 
there was great history in her mind of people talking to God. But whenever it came to the place that an august God could lower himself to the place of talking to us, I want to tell Joy, Joy, I'm singing, let us become more aware of his presence. I want to be more aware. I want him to be able to trust me with more, be able to show me things. I'm telling you, people of this spirit, of God's spirit, should be able to see things that nobody else can see. I reserve the right to be able to repeat that throughout this message. But here's the message. Israel has had these traps, these entrapments, if you would, that were laid and stored for them. And, and, and yet, time after time, the Bible says that God gave insight to our man of God, Elisha, the prophet, and spoke to him. And the Bible says in that scripture text that I read to you, this happened in, in the New Living Translation. It says many times, several times, I'll just tell you, it had to be so disheartening for the Syrian king. You know, uh, many of the people that, that I know, is there any, any of uh, my friends here that may have gone to Vietnam? I, I know Nixon invited me, but I didn't have to go. Thank you for those looks, but I'm still in high school. The only reason they didn't get me. Well, I, I can tell you that some of my friends that went there used to tell me, said, the thing that we feared the most is that the enemy had got around not only in front of us, but had circled in behind me. When my dad was in South Korea and, and battling and trying to press onto the North Koreans and drive them back over the 38th parallel, dad told me during the night one night that they had some South Koreans that came for, as reinforcements and and even, you, can you imagine what a, a, a really a, a civil war this was, that Koreans fighting Koreans. And yet, the, the, that group that they brought up, the, the commander of that group that Dad was in, he was a forward observer in the Air Force, but he was with those Marines on the ground. And he never physically shot and killed an enemy, but he probably had thousands killed by the, the B-52s and all the other paraphernalia that we had in the air that could take down the enemy. And he said somewhere around three o'clock in the morning, the fighting let off just a little bit. And, and our, our Marines were pressing through and, and getting closer and, and they were having a great victory. But in the middle of the night, the South Korean army out of fear got up and left and left the rear flank totally open if the enemy had surrounded them, all our troops would have been slain that night. I, I heard many of those, but I wanted you to concentrate upon the fact that, that the Syrian king would love to have surrounded any encampment that the king of Israel would have brought down against him. The Syrian king is so frustrated that every time he threw one of these ambushment parties, against Israel, nobody showed up at his party. And he could not come to grips with that, in which he begins to ask him the question, uh, and, and, well, I want to deal with this frustration for a moment. I, I, I don't know, you may not 
get to travel much, but Mona and I have traveled to some small communities that do have their own police force. And yet, on Monday mornings, I have, have after Sunday night services with a cup of coffee in my hand, sitting there listening to a local report on the radio, we can hear, uh, well, we want to warn all of you that are driving to work this morning that the corner of uh, Main and, and 4th Avenue, there's radar set up. Don't you know the chief of police is just tickled to death that that report would ever get out there on the radio? How many American presidents know the fact that they better be, keep their mouth shut even in the White House or it will be on the five o'clock news and, and blow him totally out of the water? How many of you understand? And this king under that frustration begins to ask the question, well, who, 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 is, who is it among you that is for Israel and not for me? And with that, they would say, oh, king, it has nothing to do with us, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak even in your bedroom. Now, that's a little TMI for me. A little too much information, huh? I don't need to hear that. I don't want, but I'm telling you, Elisha was plugged in. God gave him this wonderful spiritual vision so that he could see things and hear things of God. And the Lord warned Israel, the Bible says, over and over again. And when the king of Syria hears it, he sends out someone to the, they ask, where might I find him? He said, oh, I'm sure he's down the road here about 30 miles in Dothan. And he sent a greeting party. I love it in this new King James Version when it says that he sent troops out to get him. And this was not going to be a welcoming party. Yesterday, my uh, uh, granddaughter, Haley, that lives with us. She had a birthday yesterday. She turned 20. And, uh, and I guess she's lived with us, what, Mona, five or six years. And, and when Haley came in, she says, oh, 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 this is a celebration, my birthday party. I said, no, it's a going away. I heard you found a place to live. I thought that might shake you up. I thought you might, you parents that have ever had kids live with you would appreciate that. I am telling you, I, when I looked at this and I saw how this man of God operated in his spiritual life, how many of you understand that Elisha has become a much greater threat to the, the enemy, to the king of Syria, than all of the army that Israel could ever put before Syria to battle them? Would to God that in this church, that we would have people rise up in this section, this section, all across this auditorium, people of God, through a great anointing in their life, would be able to see things that others could not see because of the anointing upon their life, the power of God that comes. I, I want you to see how one man can impact a country so much that he's a greater threat to the king of Syria. Would to know that we were a kind of people that knew how to take a battering ram to hell's door for people's freedom in this city, for people to be able to find Christ, that there is such a fire 
burning in your spirit that your people are able to look at you and come to you and ask you, can I follow you as you follow Christ? I'm just telling you, when you have the favor of God, you possess the power of God. That's the truth of this matter. I want to stay that plugged in. You say, oh, are you just trying to be super spiritual? Well, honey, if you lived at my house, you would know I'm not super spiritual. But I love being plugged in. I, I love it. We, we, Elisha is this man that has this wonderful spiritual vision. It's that same vision that caused our man Gideon to send what? 21,700 able-bodied people home. Send them home. How, how, how many of you remember how many he kept? 300 men. And if you go look over the, over the cliff, look down the hill, it's not grandma's house down there. The valley is full of Midianites. And, and they're, they're Jew haters. They hate the Hebrew children. They, they want to they wanna kill them. They, they, they want to do them harm. And Gideon just sent home 21,000 700 good, strong men and kept 300. And, and just, I want you to get a grip on this. Now, Gideon's talking to the, that 300 men. Now, here, here's what I want you to do. Now, this is going to be so easy. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to get a bugle in one hand. A bugle. Yeah, put a trumpet in one hand and get you a lantern in the other hand. Uh, well, well, where do I put my AR-15? I'm thinking Abram tank. I'm, ta I'm thinking B-1 bomber. D don't, don't forget that the Bible says that the Midianites that were in the valley were without number. There's that many of them down there. And, and, and Gideon, you just sent home 21,700 men that could have helped us, it would have been a little better odds against this sea of people. And I want you to know that God, when God decides and has made a decision that he wants to create a miracle, I'll tell you, friend, he doesn't have to have you to make it to happen. But what he does need is some people that are willing to follow his word and do it with faith and victory in their spirit. I don't understand all the ways of God, do you? I, I, would, I, 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 I would have a problem whenever he told the, the man of God in the Old Testament to go and face the wall and, and stay there and look at that wall. And I, I, I just, I'm just telling you, there's things I don't get, and this is one of them. Now, boys, here's what you're going to do. When I give the signal, you're going to come off the side of that mountain blowing that trumpet. And at some point in time, you're going to break uh, something, a cover, the cover off of those lanterns. And God is going to give us the victory. And those guys are jumping and yelling and shouting before God. Excuse me, time out. 
How many of you know what happened when they got to the bottom of the hill? The Bible says that God discomfited the armies of the Midianites and they found that they had literally fought themselves. They had died and many of them never lifted a sword. Many of them died in fear. I'll tell you, friend, it's amazing what God can do when he raises up just a handful of people that will have spiritual vision about him. I believe with all of my heart that this building came about in a vision. I believe it came about and, and, and it was completed with that same vision that God would give us Mauriceville, Texas for his glory. It takes spiritual vision to get anything done in the kingdom work today. The Bible describes Elisha's servant as a young man. So I just need to compare two vitally important things. First, that there are unseen realities. How many of you know everybody wants reality? Especially in television. Yeah. Uh, your doctor will tell you, a doctor uh, that did one of Mona's surgery told Mona, said, uh, I appreciate your faith, but you need to know, honey, I deal with reality. I, I got to tell you, uh, we didn't sit very well with him. Come on. And, and, and he did not, we literally had to go back and that surgery had to be redone. And Mona said, I, I don't want that surgeon to touch me. And, and, and I'm not trying to be ugly to that man. I'm sure he's a very successful man today. But I can tell you that we walked in on, on, a, on a, a, a doctor who, who, whenever he found where the, the other doctor had left a, a staple in Mona's body and it was constricting a part, the functions of her body, that, that they, the doctor looked across the room and he said, I have looked down here, uh, ma'am, at your profile and see that your husband's a minister and that y'all are evangelists and preach across this country. He said, I want you to know that I serve the same God that you serve. I'm just telling you, this world thinks it wants to deal with reality, but if they could see behind the veil and know what's waiting in eternity for those that won't serve him, it would change them forever. I, I remember Don Branco preached the message years ago, if, if men could see hell, and I'm telling you, if, if unbelievers could see behind the veil, if they knew what you knew for eternity's sake. But I, I told pe people, ask me, say, well, boy, you, you finally went right. You, you left the night spot and, and got in church, lived for God, raised a good family. I said, yeah, but well, why'd you make the turn? Well, for one thing, you know, I, not only did I want to please my wife and, and please uh, my mother, but I didn't want to go to hell. I want, I want success in my life. I think it's only natural for, for people. I, this little servant that, that God has put in this chariot, he, I know he wants to deal with reality. Elisha makes a statement and said, they that are with us are more that are with them. And Elisha is like many of the Bible characters that become so strong in faith that, that, that they're used for wonderful examples for you and I 
in the New Testament, Paul states, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. I want you to know that we're not trying as Christian people to escape reality, but reality really for us is greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen? Amen. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. If God be for us, who can be against us? That's reality for the people of God. These things, spiritually, they're, they're, they're not created by faith, but they literally are revealed to faith as light on any earthly object. It's amazing how you can walk into a darkened room that is totally closed off from any light, and what happens when one light bulb goes off in that room and begins to dispel the darkness. I'll tell you, for our young people, and there may not be very many here tonight that are still in school, but it's amazing when there is a, a young teenager uh, that walks onto a high school campus and has decided to follow Christ. It's a beautiful light in a darkened world, a beautiful glow of Christianity that causes people to, uh, young people to ask that teenager, how is it? Uh, please show me the way. I want to follow you. I, I, yeah, there seems to be a happiness in your life. I am telling you, there should be such contentment in our life, but visibly there should be such a powerful charge of the anointing in our life that it causes people to see that there is an illumination that they cannot explain. I want that illumination. I don't want it just here in the pulpit, though that is vital, and it is important to me, the anointing breaks every yoke and fetter. I, my mind is wrapped around that. I realize that. The anointing is so powerful, but I want people to be able to see it in the streets of this city and around the communities that I am in, that people that look at my life. Oh, I tell you, I have such a love for my neighbors. I've, uh, I've taken them both sides, on the left side and the right side. Byron on one side and Angie and Charlie on the other with those twin boys and, and Ethan, their older brother. And I'll tell you, a beautiful, beautiful little family. And they've, they've come to hear me preach. And I know that, that God's going to just reach out and touch their lives. What, well, what are you talking about in the middle of this mess? I'm talking about what we really ought to be discussing is how many of you got saved this year. And how are you ever going to be a witness for Christ without spiritual vision in your life and people being able to read you? Well, I'll tell you, sometimes what you are speaks so loud that we can't listen to your words. It says right here, if not happy by now, turn the page. For, for, for Elisha, he is this man that, that believes that that, that this wonderful faith is built up in him. Has, it's, he, there was a day that he operated in that area where many of you operate in. Uh, oh, I believe it. And it moved him from that place, that wonderful double portion, 
Don't forget, it has only been a while back when he was kicking around on the heels of an Elijah. He can't afford to be ugly for this young man that steps out and sees that they're surrounded by the enemy. Yeah, the king of Syria has come to get us. Hey, Elisha, hey, 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 look out here. And, and, and yet, you know, Elisha wants to encourage him and tell him, well, there's more that are for us than, than there are against us. Well, yeah, yeah, but uh, you need to tell them that. And yet, it's only been a few years ago, Elisha. Don't be too hard on this boy. But you were kicking around in the heels of Elijah until Elijah turns around and says, what, what is it you want of me? Right? And Elijah, no doubt, has this history in his mind. How many of y'all have had a past where it, it, at the right time in your life, at, at just the perfect time in your life, God raised you up above something and gave you great testimony of his miracle working power. And since that time, you have enjoyed laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. You know in the past, there, there is a past there. Elisha kicking around the heels of Elijah until Elijah says, what do you want from me? Well, I want a double portion of your spirit. And oh, isn't it sweet? Because Elijah, Elijah just, I'm surely he'll welcome him, but he says, you have asked a hard thing. Really? Yeah, because when you carry this, you can't go back to that. You cannot go back to carnal eyes. I'll tell you, the people that I knew, my dad was so wary and so, so smart, and I miss his wisdom. He, he would tell me at times, he'd say, you watch people that leave the church and they slip back, give up the, the, the power of the Spirit of God in their life, give up their salvation. And boy, when they go back, boy, they, they have to go deeper in degradation than they ever were before. I, I watched a, one of our ministers who fell away when I was just a, a, a kid preacher in my 20s and, and watched how the, the enemy took him and his wife to, I, I, I'll never forget, I walked up to my parents' home. They were dear friends of my parents and would visit from time to time. And Mona and I came up, is really before we had kids, we'd been married a couple of years and I heard some of the filthiest talk and some of the ugliest words coming from the back porch, and Dad wouldn't even invite them in, and they, they were both of them. And I, I'm not trying to knock you uh, if you struggle with the habit of cigarettes, but this is not something that I would have expected out of this couple. And yet the smoking there on my, my folks' back porch, and though my parents had a dear love for them and didn't want to turn them away. It was evident to anybody around them. How many of you understand many times when somebody goes back, they've got to go so much deeper back into sin than what they were ever involved in it in the past. I'm telling you, when you have a, an Elisha experience kicking around on the heels of an Elijah and you decide you want a double portion, 
You need to know that it can be difficult at times. You're going to face people that want to take you down. There are obstacles in the way. But if you will continue in spiritual vision, God will give you the victory. A chariot. My father, my father. The fire and the chariot. And Elijah's gone. But here comes the mantle of God. And Elisha immediately recognizing the mantle of God, he begins to strip off everything on his body that didn't look like God. Whenever I was younger, I'd say he ripped off Marlboros. Huh? He gave up. He gave up all kinds of junk in his life. Gave up bourbon. Come on. Bible says he began to strip those clothes off and then the mantle of God fell upon him and he never relinquished that mantle. In, in Elijah's lifetime, he had performed 16 major miracles in his lifetime. What amazing, amazing how God would use you in, in such a fashion. We could go and talk about his, the miraculous testimonies that Elijah has. What a great time. But not only that, but how about he pours it into Elisha's life. But don't forget that Elisha has already commended to him and said, what I really want from you is a double portion of your spirit upon me. And boy, number 31, powerful miracle that takes place in Elisha's life. And then Elisha dies. One short. Oh, did I for, I forgot to tell you. They're making a Braveheart movie over on the side of a mountain. They're slicing and dicing. Oh, what a way to die, huh? Just shoot me with a 44 Magnum and get it over with. I hate being cut. But that's the way they're fighting with spears and swords and arrows and flying. And boy, one of their buddies gets taken down and he's, he's bled out. He's dead. And they run over to a hole in the ground having no clue that the dry, dead bones of Elisha are in the bottom of that hole. They do the little one, two, three that me and Russell used to do with our baby brother just before we threw him through the plate glass window in the living room. Guess we throwed a little hard. They throwed that dead body in that hole, and how many of you know what happened? The Bible says that that soldier came back to life and came back out of that grave. I'll tell you, the, the, there was so much authority and power in Elisha's body, and God had given him, no doubt, the desire for a double portion, and number 32 was performed even after he was gone. You say, well, Brother Gene, why is that important to us? Because I know there's some parents and some grandparents here that have been praying for their kids, and I want you to know that those prayers are ever before the Father. And it may be long after you're gone and your old bones dried up and gone, but I'll tell you, God loves to stick by His promises and by His Word. Elisha had moved from that place from, oh, I believe it, 
And now he's at the place where, oh, I see it. Would to God that he would move us as a church to that place where, yes, pastor is preaching the messages that you need men and women of God that stand behind this pulpit that encourage you to do better, encourage you to stay in the faith, encourage you to win souls for he that winneth souls is wise. Yes, but my friend, I want to get beyond simple faith. I would love to see some of our people get to the place where they leave, oh, I believe it, and get into, oh, I see it. It's that same spirit that caused Jesus in Pilate's Hall to look around the room and see that there were thousands of angels, 12 of them, 12,000 angels, legions of angels that were prepared to come. And Pilate, you don't even know what you're speaking. By the time this little Roman Empire thing of yours is shriveled up and dead and gone, I'll be at the right hand of the Father making intercession for my people. I'm telling you, it's that kind of a spirit that causes you and I to be visionaries in this day and age, people of God, missionaries. We saw some in a, in a, in a restaurant today uh, uh, going to Chile, and, and, and I'm telling you, got such they've got more spizzerankum in their body, more energy than I've got and, you know, they, in their little finger than I've got my whole body. It's amazing to watch them, empowered by the Holy Spirit, go through the process of itinerating to the place that because they want to follow their calling. Would to God that there would be people enough interested in our assembly today that would want to follow Christ and, and get so close to Him that there is such a, uh, an illumination about their life that when people look at them, they see Jesus. I, I, just one, one more thing, and I, I've got I to gotta turn you loose. Those are the unseen realities. Now here's a common fact, that there's a lot of people that choose to be blind to these realities. When Elisha's servant saw the Syrian army, Surrounding Dothan, he cried, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Now, I, I'm telling you, how many of you have observed that trick of the enemy before? There's something that can be overwhelming that faces you, and you stand there at Jordan's edge with the waters uh, over overwhelming you, and, and you do like Joshua and say, I'm at the place now, I don't know what to do. I'm just telling you that those occasions do come, and this man, little young man as a servant is seeing the trick of the enemy as fear begins to overwhelm him. You know, I don't know why we Pentecostals think that we'll never have another battle with fear. Well, if that's true, then why do you and I preach about it so much? Because we want to remind you that the Scripture says it's Paul that says it so vehemently. We've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and love, and the older I get, a sound mind. Right? I, I, I'm telling you, this servant begins to witness what he did not realize is going to be his opportunity for a different portion of God to rise up in his life. If he doesn't want to see it, he doesn't have to see it. But the man of God speaks to him 
and says, to, says praise to the Lord and says, open his eyes that he may see. And the Bible says that he opened his eyes and he saw chariots of fire that surrounded that other army. Would to God that we would have that kind of, of relationship, that we, there would be some Caleb's in this place. 10 out of 12 spies come back. What is that? Uh, Genesis uh, 13th chapter and the 14th chapter. In the 13th chapter, and it's not my notes, but I'm almost positive it is there, that, that 13th chapter, God has given Canaan's land to Moses and says, now, y'all go up and possess it. And Moses says, well, and I, I think Moses made a mistake, but that's something he and I talk about in eternity. But he did like we've done in many times in our ministry, turned it over to a committee. I like the way you're shouting now. Boy, you're quiet tonight. I, uh, mm, 10 out of 12 spies come back. With a, the Bible doesn't say a, a negative or an offbeat report. It said in the King James Version, an evil report. I'll tell you what, friend, you need to get a handle on this. Disbelief in God's eyes is evil. You, I, 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 if he, God said it, I, I want to do it. If he says that a rooster can pull a boxcar, I want to get the traces out and hook it up. Come on. And, and watch him do it. I, I, I want to be on God's side on this thing. I mean, uh, how, how many of us have had difficult things come our way? And that's why we pour into our young people. That's why we're not dogging them. I, we're certainly not putting you down here tonight because we happen to know you're not simply the future of the church. You're the church now. We happen to know that this thing called ministry is being laid into your hands. And the more that you get challenged from this place of a pulpit, that God is getting you ready for things. You're going to face things in your young life that sometimes many of us didn't face till that we were older because God has greater testimony in you than he did in some of us. What did God hear? I saw him whenever, you know, I've seen boys at 90 and men at nine. See, young people that had greater faith and I was 12 years old sitting in my dad's church in Channelview. Couple walks in, a Caucasian gentleman married to a Hispanic wife, beautiful children. We caught his nickname was Trigger, Trigger Lot, but he had great ministry down in Mexico. He got up and began to talk about, the missionary talked about people in Mexico that were going to hell without Jesus. And at 12 years old, sitting in my dad's auditorium, you know, trying my best to deny that God was touching my heart, I began to feel the Spirit of God begin to deal with me. And in that moment, at 12 years of age, he called me to preach this gospel. I thought for years that I would wind up in a foreign field somewhere, and God instructed me to 
I pastored his people for 25 years and no telling how many hundreds of thousands of dollars that we have raised to send missionaries around the world. I'm just telling you that what God has given us and these young people is a wonderful resource of the church and would to God that they get filled with the Holy Ghost at a young age and begin to follow they, that they would reach that place that Elisha has reached in this position that he's in in the scriptures from I believe it to oh I see it. That there is such a confidence that you and I have with God that we are going to follow Jesus no matter what. Am I doing okay? Both of you like it? Okay. This man is observing a, a trick of the enemy. Oh, those, those spies came back. Don't you appreciate Joshua's and Caleb's? I, I guess it was probably Pastor 10 or 12 years ago God had me put a message together about Caleb, and, and I just called it a man of another spirit because that's what God said. Joshua is assigned to Moses. Joshua's not going into Canaan's land, although he supported the plan. Why? Because God said it. God had spoke to the man of God. I, I'm telling you, 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 can't, you can't have worse dissension in, in a group of people than when you come against leadership that is trying to point you in the way of Calvary and point you in the way of evangelism in your community. Don't shout me down when I'm doing so good. But it's truth. And I tell you, there's, there's, there's nothing that, that looked any worse than these 10 out of 12 spies coming back to uh, Moses and saying, we can't do it. There's giants in the land. There's no way. Up on their shoulders, might I remind you that in my Sunday school class, as a primary student, that Sister Yellett had painted on the walls and had pictures of those, uh, those men coming back <coughs> with staves over their shoulders and huge pomegranates and huge grapes and the, the fruit of the land was massive and beautiful and yet there's all these evil reports and our man Joshua is going to stand with Moses, but, and he stays with Moses. He, he is the leader after Moses. But God gave us a Caleb, a man with a, another spirit that said, give me the mountain. And God sent him to Canaan's land with all of those young people that followed him into that land, and they enjoyed the fruit of the land. I tell you, folks, when you've got spiritual vision, and it's, that it's something that God has equipped you with. See, spiritual blindness is horrible. It makes us act out in the flesh. I've, I've seen, I, I know you have rights in, in this country. I realize, but, but I want you to know that that this church is not a democracy. I won't let that settle in. Before you shout me down and run me down the street, tear my check up. I, I want to make sure that sinks in. This, this church is not a democracy. It's a theocracy. Boy, it doesn't belong to you. doesn't belong to me. doesn't belong to him. Boy, if we believe what we believe, 
God is in control of this place. I, I can't help what the Baptists do across the street. I can't help uh, the Episcopalians and the Catholics. I, I can't answer for them. But I'm telling you, this group of people, one day we're going to answer to God about how much vision we allowed him. There are people that have unseen realities, and then there's a group of people that could have been like this servant. Uh, uh, he could have been this way. Fortunately, God opened his eyes, and he was able to see. But there are people that don't want to see. They love our music. They love our worship. They love the demonstrative preaching behind the pulpit, but they don't want to get filled with the Holy Ghost because along with the power of the Holy Spirit comes responsibility. And that has become a terrible word in this nation. It says if you get some bad luck, move on. If there's anything to spiritual blindness, it comes from fear from despair, from the pride of life, from self-reliance. And I can tell you, take any of those in that equation and put them together, and none of them are, are a wonderful experience to being a powerful witness. None of that adds up. You can't live in fear. You can't live in disparity. You can't live in the pride of life. I'm telling you, these are all pitfalls. Self-reliance, God help us to swallow our, oh no, B.J. Uh, B.J. Smith wrote a, uh, when he was pastoring in Texarkana, uh, uh, Texas, he wrote a, a wonderful book, and I have a few copies in my office that said, don't, don't, don't swallow your pride, spit it out. And I believe there is something to that, that we have got to get rid of this thing called pride. I tell you, you would be nothing today without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Who do you think gave you that job? Who do you think has given you favor in life and caused you any success at all? It's been nothing other than spiritual vision that God has encamped in your life and given you favor. Okay, I, I'm, I'm ready to close. Come, come play something. Mary had a little lamb. is real sweet. Ease up. I, uh, I don't even understand. Only the Lord can give you spiritual vision. And, and I wrote this message, and, and I completed this message, and, and I went back and reread it, and I said, uh, this thing's not complete. I, I hear this servant pray, Lord, open my eyes, and Open my servant's eyes that Elisha prayed over his servant uh, uh, that I might see. And by Elisha, he, he didn't argue with his servant because he knew there were some spiritual things. And how many of you know that? We don't, we're not in this to debate with people or degrade people because they can't see what you see. We've got to lead them to it. They're watching your life. They're watching you. God, give us spiritual vision. It, I, when, I, when I got to the end of this message, and like I said, weeks later, I, I sat down with this thing. I said, oh, my Lord, I never saw this before. I, dates didn't remind me of it. 
none of our district officials or our general council officials, I didn't hear somebody else preach it. The Holy Spirit started dealing with my heart. And, and I, I can I read you the note that I wrote down? And I said, I hate to be the only negative person in the room. I want you to hear this. So, but shouldn't somebody raise the question? If God and all of his sovereignty have been showing the king of Israel where the Syrian king was going to set up the ambushments. Why, why in the name of thunder did not God speak to Elisha and tell him that that welcoming party was on their way to Dothan to surround the city? I didn't hear it, so I'm telling you, God put it in my spirit and I wrote it down as an addendum to this message. God spoke to me and said, how are we going to raise up others unless I allow them to have their own come to Jesus moment? If God would have kept warning Elisha and saying, hey, get out of town, they're coming to Dothan to get you, boy. Well, that's what he'd been doing for the king of Israel and used Elisha as a mouthpiece. How can God ever get a hold of others if you're not willing to be an example and being a mouthpiece to others around you? I, I wish, I wish there was a way. They say that us, you guys, you know, we've been friends for some time, so if we, you text something, you know, it's hard to tell emotions sometimes when you do a text, right? <laughs> it's hard to tease and cut up when you're texting. You better pick up the phone and call. <laughs> Boy, if God would just have, just have warned our man Elisha, he'd have, he'd have been all right. But God's got to get a hold of that servant. Been driving around that chariot, taking Elisha to and from, going here and there. Servant to the man of God. And yet, he's not had his experience. My brother Russell raised, we were raised in church. I can say this about both of my brothers and myself. I went to church nine months before I got here. I, I don't know anything but Pentecost. Pentecostal Church of God Church, Dale Dale Tabernacle, Channel View, Texas. My mom and daddy went to that church not long after they got married, probably in 52, and I discovered America in 53. It was amazing how my parents raised us in the fear and admonition of the Lord. But do you know that I had to have my own experience? 
I've, I've tried. I've, I've, maybe, maybe I've been like some of you parents and even been overboard with my kids. I don't want to lose any of our kids. And I'm talking about grandkids. And Mona and I don't have any greats yet, so you folks, y'all can tell, them, tell us about them, but we're, we're waiting. Y'all know what grandkids are? God's gift to us for not killing our kids when they were teenagers. Lo and behold, if God had warned Elisha, a servant would have never had his experience. I, I, I can tell you in my lifetime how many times the Lord has rattled my chain. And you know what I tell him? Lord, you can do that anytime. We love to talk about two o'clock in the morning. Boy, he woke me up and I had to run pray. Well, there's a lot of things that make me get up at two o'clock and, and I'll take the time to pray. It may, may not be an emergency. I, I really need him when I'm awake during the day because I do dumb stuff when I'm not plugged into him. I've had somebody cut me off at a red light and that spirit of ten of you raised up in me. I, 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 when I saw that, I realized that God has set you out here. You're, you're set up there as a, a light on a hill. And people see your light shine. When we sang it as children, we just blew it off as a children's song. Would to God we pick it up again and talk about letting our little light shine. How about you do it in the grocery store? I had... I walked in, the Holy Ghost told me, I was tired. I just finished preaching revival and the Holy Ghost put a young lady in my path. He had told me in the car, hey, I'm gonna put somebody in your path today. And how many of you had the Holy Ghost yank on your chain like that? And I'll just tell you, I, I didn't answer real well. I said, hey, you might better catch somebody else. Besides, I got my cargo shorts on and I got flip flops on. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I wore sandals. I said, okay. When I walked in that door, there she stood, 22, 23 years old. She's beautiful. I raised girls. I married a girl. Woo, a pretty one, might I say. I saw that pretty girl over there, and God's, the Lord, the Holy Ghost said, that's her. How could I know that her world was falling apart? That the man that created that little boy in that buggy had decided to run off with somebody else and leave her and that little boy. Oh, he must have been, I don't know, year and a half to two years old, cute as he could be. And I could see, I walked up to her and I said, I don't have to have discerning of spirit to look at your face and realize that your little world is coming apart. And I said, can I pray with you? And she, oh, would you, would you really? I can tell you at that moment, I was thinking, would to God that some church ladies would show up. And about the time I called on the Father, Son and the Holy Ghost, went to praying, two ladies walked up put their hands on that buggy. 
I had reached around that little boy and put my thumb in his little belt loop on the back so he didn't get excited to jump out. And I joined her hand around the other side and she put her arm around that baby boy too. And I went to praying. While I was praying, not only did those ladies walk up, man, but a guy from works at the Chevron plant there in Mont Bellevue, I saw him walk up, pull that Chevron cap off, and I heard him praying in the spirit. I said, oh God, we've got a handle on this. How could I know that she had already been to the doctor and already got a, a bunch of sleeping pills? And if, if you ladies had seen her buggy, uh, maybe even you girls, if y'all had seen the buggy and all those diapers and baby food and all those things, the wipes, all that kind of stuff, you'd have probably known something was up because she was trying to buy the store out. She had emptied their bank account to buy all them things. She had already been by. The doctor got the sleeping pills, had them filled right there in the Kroger we were in. She was going to go home, take that baby, buy her mama's, give her all them goods, and slip off to her house and take all them pills at one time. She sent me a, a wonderful note in an email, and she said, you just don't know. She said, I want to know something. When you walked in that door, she told me this in Kroger. She said, when you walked in that door, what was that aura that was around your life, your body? I know we don't talk that way, but the world does because they don't understand it. I looked at her and said, baby, I, I, it sounds to me what you're trying to describe is none other than the Shekinah glory of God or His Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, they're out there. They're, they're at your grocery. They're at your restaurant. They're at the service station down here. They stick out like a sore thumb. All they need is somebody with spiritual vision to come into their presence, and, and they're wanting somebody to pray with them, somebody to lead them to Christ, somebody give them some hope. That kid did not go home, and she did not commit suicide, and she is going to one of the local churches there in our neighborhood. I gotta tell you, friend, God has raised us up for more than just making you look good. He's raised you up to make him look wonderful, powerful. Stand with me. I, I, don't, I don't know where you're at. Maybe, maybe you need salvation. Well, you're in the right place. This is the right time. Today is the day of salvation. Now's the accepted time. But I wonder where you are in your spirit. If you're not a tongue-talking believer, what, tell me what you are doing for the Lord. I appreciate people doing all the, the things, the work around. My, my, my daughter, I was just thinking about, told stories about her this morning. But I remember when my Janelle, when I was pastoring there at the Old River Church, I remember she came out one time and she said, you know, I want to talk to you, Dad. I said, come on, baby, tell me. She said, you know, you brag on everybody on the platform. Everybody that's a musician, plays one of them instruments, or somebody that sings and has a great talent. She said, but I want you to know something. 
Those of us, she's a director over my nursery and toddler's classes. And she said, I want you to know something. You couldn't do what you do if me and my ladies didn't do what we did. And I said, you're right, baby. I appreciate people working around the church, but I gotta tell you, there's such a work out there on the road. There's, there's such a work to be done down here, people that are lost. They're lost, they're lost. There was a day that we could just get on to the kids for their electronics, but now it's taken over adults as well. And the enemy of our soul is robbing us of our time, our talent, and our treasure. I'm praying, God, open our eyes that we may see. The Bible says that God showed Elisha's servant that there were more that were with them than there was with the king of Syria. All through that Bible, God's given us wonderful stories to help us realize that in this day and age, He wants to fill us with His praise, His worship. He, he loves to hear the, from His people, but there comes a time when the praise and the worship doesn't come from this auditorium. There's gotta be your presence at the local school, at the local courthouse, at the, at the places in this. We have got to win souls. Is there anybody in this building that really doubts that Jesus is coming soon? You doubt it. You don't believe it, you just doubt it. Because I'll tell you, Biden is gonna talk to Vladimir Putin this week. Hey, well, I just wanted to give you that advice. I'm just telling you, you need to get ready. We're getting out of here. And I don't want to go alone. Would to God that our churches would not fight faithfulness like they fight it. I'm not just talking about attendance. How many of you know faithfulness is many faceted? It's many faceted. Being faithful in every area of your life. On a Wednesday night, I'm sure out of frustration and because I'm an evangelist, I can share it with you. I'm not there anymore. Probably why I'm here. I got up on a Wednesday night, I said, you know, when I get to heaven, the Lord's gonna ask me, Gene Summers, did you find time to do my will and get a bunch of people saved on planet Earth? And I'm gonna tell him, no, sir. I really didn't. And when he asked me why, I said, church, because I'm gonna tell him, because Lord, I've been chasing all your saints. Come on, nod your head, that's good, that's fine. You don't have to get happy over that. But I'm just telling you, the time is short. We're, this thing's winding up. Boy, I know, I sat right where y'all sat when I was a kid and I'm thinking, oh Lord, uh, you mean God's coming back and I'm not even gonna get to be 21 yet? Well, 21 was a long time ago. It's amazing. I want you to have spiritual vision. I want you to be able to talk to the Father and He talk to you. Don't let the joy behars of your life cause you to lose faith and move from that place 
of, oh, I believe it. Oh, I see it. 